0: Well, all right, welcome everybody. You know, it was just about this time last year when SASE, Secure Access Service Edge, was in that promising emerging technology trends that we should be considering. But suddenly, it became front and center as a quick fix for an unexpected use case as the entire world went into various forms of lockdown and IT departments were scrambling to securely support what is now a massively remote workforce. Well, SASE still remains new but promising answer to many of the challenges that we continue to face today. But, considering SASE only in the context of a quick fix for remote workers, that would be a disservice. So today, we're going to explore the secure access service edge from the multiple angles that our team of experts represent. So stay with us, learn how and where SASE can be part of your long-term security strategy based on business drivers that have existed long before COVID. Welcome to Tech 37, your home for technology, education, and collaboration. My name is Rob Boyd. Thank you for joining us. Let's meet our experts. Well, gentlemen, a little bit of a rough start as I figured out how to get the stream key fixed and everything, but welcome to Tech 37. So excited to have you guys here. Everybody's bright and shiny faces look like the streams are working okay. Let's do some introductions. I'm going to start with Mike Schmidt. Mike, what do you do and how do you do it?
1: Hey, good morning. Uh, My name is Mike Schmidt. I'm out of North Carolina. Um, I'm a cloud security architect with WWT. I've been here about two years and work in our uh, consulting services group. Um, So I work with folks like Jordan, Michael, and others on improving uh, security in the cloud and looking forward to the conversation today.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. And Jordan, for those who don't know you, who are you? What do you do?
2: Sure. Uh, my name is Jordan Martin. I'm a technical solutions architect in our global engineering team. I'm out of Pennsylvania. My focus is around enterprise networking and cloud uh, networking strategies. And
0: just to go ahead and put it out there, I'm honored to have you here because you are the founder and uh, host of Network Collective, a podcast <laughs> yes, I enjoy indeed. everybody should listen to. You guys have, have some great guests. Oh, and. You. uh Love thank what you guys so have been doing, continue to do, because I know it's not easy, uh, but this is my show right now, or well, it's Tech 37, it's your yeah. show <laughs> as well. Um, either way, Michael Pfeiffer, the man who always looks cold to me when I talk to him, how are you doing? What are you up to?
3: Trust me, I'm not cold, um, okay. I'm quite comfortable, but you know, thank you for <laughs> well, that's being what it concerned. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm Michael Pfeiffer, I'm a cloud networking architect on our global solutions development team. Uh, so, my duties and responsibilities uh, pertain to lab creation, research, and development, and beta testing for new products that are hitting the market with the focus on public cloud, SD WAN, uh, secure access service edge, and co locations.
0: Perfect. Well, as you guys have probably picked up on, as you know, what we like to do here on the show, is each of you represent somewhat of a different background, a different origin story. You have different sets of technologies that you've learned about. Obviously, you all overlap um, in certain ways as we all do uh, in this space, but I'm looking forward to getting your input because I'm going to make some assertions here as I'm also learning a bit. But uh, So feel free to always jump in and say, nah, that's not quite right, Rob. Um, so first of all, I would say that Sassy S-A-S-E, Secure Access Service Edge, is the natural is a natural evolution of two big trends, network as a service and network security as a service. Hold that thought. Our goal for today is to help our audience kind of make educated decisions about whether this SASE stuff is right for them. And so three areas I think we should be covering. One, the environment that we're in. I'm going to ask Mike Schmidt in just a moment to con- comment on um, kind of understanding the um Uh, the stuff that's facing us and why we might be looking at solutions like this, what makes them popular. I want to spend most of our time on what SASE is and some distinctions that are important to understand. And each of you will definitely be weighing in on that as we kind of compare it to SD-WAN, look at some similarities, some differences, some gotchas perhaps from the experience and case studies that you guys uh, have all been involved in. Uh, And then I would like to end up looking a little bit in a non-specific way at the vendors, Um, who have certainly all, it seems like every vendor's at least adopted the technology or the terminology, not maybe the technology, but certainly the terminology about uh, that they're offering SASE, but it certainly, as with all technology offerings, you pull back the covers a little bit and things can be a little bit different. We'll talk about things to look out for. So let's start with this. I used to do network security on a much more regular basis and not near as comfortable as I used to be, but in general, I would say network security is always a moving target and that there are three key factors, and Schmidt, this is where I'm coming to you, um, about where I think that traditional network security is being challenged. One, that users are increasingly mobile. Two, that applications are largely moving to the cloud in almost many, many, if not all, situations uh, for some companies. And then traffic is uh, often uh, encrypted. And it's if not encrypted now, it's getting encrypted. It's more encrypted, and that always has an effect on security. So I want you guys all to jump in, but let's just shortly cover kind of this environment. And Mike Schmidt, because uh, I've got two mics here, just to make sure we're clear on that. How would you characterize today's environment and why that's a challenge for network security or traditional network security?
1: Yep, sure thing. So um, you covered a lot of it around you know remote u- workforce and and more movement to the cloud, and I think it's it's a major trend that we're seeing that um, you know what we would consider inverted requirements here of. A few years back, everything funneled back to the data center, um, applications, branch users, remote users, um, all that inspection, all that network traffic was brought back to our, you know, primary, uh, secondary data centers. Um, in modern architectures with a lot of cloud uh, applications and services, uh, SaaS, you know, things like Office three sixty five, Salesforce, and others, um, the majority of traffic is not coming back to the data center. Um, Our workforce is generally not in the confines of our branches and our locations. And so um, that typical networking security model uh, is broken a bit. And so we have to modernize not only the network connectivity, um, where our users and our workforce is now located, and what uh, software and cloud services they're consuming. Um, But we also have to uh, pay attention to the fact that the majority of traffic is riding over 443, um, you know, encrypted HTTP and uh, to be able to have a strong security posture, um, you know, we need to look at enforcing more decryption, deep packet analysis, which, um, you know, traditionally on-prem on is um, maybe enabled at a smaller scale as well as a huge performance hit to hardware. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just to, to recap on, on really where SASE fits in. Uh, Again, like you mentioned, it's that network and security services mending together, um, but in a way that in my mind is cloud native. Um, It's scalable, it's performant, um, it's easy to set up. You know, you remove the complexity of layer one through three, basically, you know, you're you're not worried about hardware anymore and you can just focus on your policy, uh, your security architecture. And um, truly, it's the only way that I see we're going to continue to scale with the increased use of um, cloud applications and, uh, and SaaS consumption. Um, but I'll open it up to Jordan That's and Mike and see if you've got any questions. Well, let's
0: jump in. Cause you kind of breached this already anyway, but, um, I'm going to go to Pfeiffer. I'm doing this on purpose. Cause I know Jordan will just jump in when necessary. Um, but Michael Pfeiffer, in terms of, uh, under laying out for us, what is Sassy secure access service edge? I just feel like I need to say that. Cause I don't know if everybody always clicks to Sassy uh, when we're so used to saying it, but, um, how would you, how do you define it? And, um, I wonder if we could start breaking down, because to me, what I want to start breaking down, if you want to jump into this, is that the Mm -hmm. word itself, uh, secure access and then service edge. If we started with secure access, um, maybe we could start talking about some of the important elements to understand about what is um, SASE.
3: Yeah, and Mike alluded to this. So one thing I want to kind of start with is just kind of thinking about. Uh, SD-WAN and co-location and what those kind of brought to the table. They okay. brought an increased performance in network connectivity. Um, there started to be considerations about geography. You know, how do I get things approximately close um, to an on-ramp, whether I'm trying to put it to a cloud or on-premises data center? Uh, and then, of course, SD-WAN brought with it, you know, things like forward error correction, packet duplication, uh, de-jitter buffering, TCP optimization. You know, the list goes on. It They did things to improve uh, the quality of performance, Uh, Along with aggregation of circuits, you could potentially just do pure broadband and aggregate multiple circuits, increase performance, maintain quality. So what's been happening recently is essentially we've made the quality of experience much better for end users, and we can't give that up in any way, shape or form. When Mike started mentioning uh, doing uh, a lot of the security functionality on Box, that's going to decrease performance, right? Like it's not going to be performance. So we're in a world now where, uh, you know, optimized networks are a first-class citizen, and now security is a first class citizen. And it's not one or the other. It's no longer a trade-off. You have to have both. So the secure access service edge model looked at it like this and said, hey, you know, these SD-WAN solutions, they're bookended in nature uh, to be able to achieve their Error correcting capabilities, but really we need to mitigate uh, loss, latency and jitter across the Internet. How do we do that? And that's what the service edge is creating these pops that you can intelligently connect to. You're not exposed to the Internet for a long transit time, so you're not going to have as significant impacts to that traffic. And then after you go through all the secure processing, if it's cloud native um, like Mike was also um, hitting on, Uh, you're gonna have like parallel processing. So it's gonna be very low uh, processing delay. And once it egresses out of there, um, these more mature SaaS solutions are connected to um, the SaaS providers, the public clouds, like they're in the same co-location facilities. So again, eliminating your unnecessary transit on the public internet. So they're maintaining the performance that we've come to expect uh, from SD-WAN and co-location, but they're layering on security in a very clean way that makes it much more accessible, uh, more desirable for, for the business to implement.
0: Jordan, jump in. Cause I want you to comment on on how you define SASE and what's important to understand. Cause I don't think my Michael left much there in, in a good way. Um, <laughs> but how how would you begin to continue to color in those lines?
2: Yeah, so so I think, you know, both of the mics, they 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 nailed they nailed what it is. I, I think it's important to understand it is like how how it came about it, and because it's always important to know why mm. we're doing what we're doing.
0: I love it. And yeah,
2: and, right. And and so I see. Um, you mentioned it earlier at the, at the top that it was an evolutionary type technology. Like this is kind of the next step in the way that we're doing things, and I agree with that. Um, and its relation to to cloud. And, and historically what we've done is we've we've managed to do like these in state network transitions or data transition, which is where our data lives. We go to the in-state before we really have all of the infrastructure in place to support it and do it well. Right. And I'll I'll take a take a step way back we, when we introduced voice over IP and video over IP, that was the that was the age of when the data center was king and there was a central location for everything and a hub and spoke network topologies reigned. Um, and, and we had to adapt when we introduced these peer-to-peer type connections in our networks. And so we saw full mesh, partial mesh, on-demand mesh networks come about as a result of that to better support what the actual traffic profile looks like. So I see SD-WAN and SASE as an evolutionary response to the change again in our traffic profiles. Because how did our traffic profiles change? Our data has gone to the cloud. And because our data has gone to the cloud, whether we're talking about um, software as a service or whether we're talking infrastructure as a service or whatever, however you're doing your cloud consumption, the actual consumption of that data now is no longer your central data center is king. So now all of a sudden, we're trying to get performance for our end users where we've built our networks traditionally with the idea that that data exists in some central location, and that's no longer the case. Now we're trying to get users out. To the internet or across to the cloud as fast as possible. And we're finding that our traditional security models don't support that. So SASE is now an evolutionary response to this idea of a changing traffic profile. Well, because, and Schmidt brought this up at the beginning, but this notion
0: of having to, I think the term I've heard used is trombone traffic artificially back through your on premise, uh, on premises, God, don't write me. Um, The on prem stuff, I need to remember to use the shortened version of the word. that that is you know, obviously going to have an effect on performance and kind of starts to break all the benefits you get from an SD-WAN architecture with its ability to go straight to things, especially when everybody is remote. And so this does feel like a natural response as we've got. It, it seems like it's a, an issue with the location of the security functions, but there's also how those security functions are implemented. And as Pfeiffer was kind of bringing this up too, I think, and maybe or maybe it was you just, just mentioned it, but is there a difference in how security is implemented like in a traditional sense we have point solutions and you kind of go linear through each of those solutions to figure out if something is good and should continue to be passed on or needs to have additional policy applied to it uh, and shunt it off somewhere, versus the ability when you're in a true cloud native software software security stack in a SASE implementation, are all of them or most of them in this notion of being able to do things in parallel, which would imply faster responsiveness?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll jump on that, Rob. So, yeah. you know, just kind of thinking about that. Um, what we used to do, uh still do by and large, you know, I don't want to use the word traditionally because it's still very much um yeah. kind of like the de facto. That's my standard, favorite thing, but to do, it's coming from a video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. Still sells a lot it is, of traditional. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you you, you insert these uh, security devices or appliances in the network path. You use it in a layer two format or a layer three format and you hit one thing and then you go to the next and you go to the next and you go to the next. So you're forwarding uh very poor. Well, I wouldn't say poorly. I mean, they're adjacent to each other, but you're still forwarding between these appliances. They still have to go through all their processing. It's very much a serialization of what's happening. So if you're applying security rules, content filtering, uh, doing SSL decryption, you're doing um, some deeper packet analysis, you have to wait for all that occur and it happens one at a time. So yeah, you're gonna gonna decrease performance in that regard. So you're gonna uh, create delay. When you look at a cloud native, approach to this. Um, you know, it, it depends on how the vendor implemented it, but you could almost imagine um, each of those services just being put into parallel, the packet being forwarded to each one of those, processed accordingly, and then it comes out the end. And if there's a decision to allow it, to deny it, or do something else with it, I mean, that's achieved um, ultimately as the outcome. So you're not having to go one, two, three, four, five, six. You're doing one, and then two, three, four, five, six happens all right here, and then you have your outcome and you're off to the races at that point. And you don't have to worry about the engineering complexity. When I said layer yeah. two, I, I think all of us on here just think spanning tree and the nightmare that thing is, um, y'all. You know, <laughs> Stop it. <You laughs> like, I didn't even, I didn't yeah, know was right, coming. Right. You need to give the guy right. a little warning
0: before you say that. Okay.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll, layer three, traffic engineering, um, you know, whatever flavor routing protocol you're using, tags, manipulations, forwarding decisions, like you can get into some really weird behavior to where your focus is so much so on the network engineering portion that you don't have time to do the security stuff mm-hmm. or you don't, you, you get time to do the security stuff later on. But, you know, that's the main star of the show. It's not the network engineering.
0: Well, uh, but to also component. characterize, and I think you're, you're saying some of this too. Sorry, i to cut you off, but, the, uh, mm-hmm. but let's come back to it. But I, I'm reminded, and I've got this quote up in terms of what Gartner, Gartner who kind of pioneered many of the concepts, of course, that we all tend to play with. But it was only, what, uh, two years ago or so that, that Gartner was kind of defining a market that they saw emerging uh, with uh, different vendors that were starting to get on this early but they wrote that the result is it, it's a dyna- dynamic creation of a policy-based secure access service edge that, regardless of the location of the entities that were requesting the capabilities, which is fundamentally different, I think, than how we've thought about security in the past. And and so this feel, SASE feels like it's it's bringing um, uh, it's kind of taking that same mobility that we had from the networking side that SD WAN is driving for, but also bringing in uh, extensive security and making it. By being cloud native, also being a lot more, I don't know, mobile's the right word, but uh, dynamic and ability to respond in a location that makes sense for the traffic being examined, I guess. D- does that make sense? Do you agree, or have we evolved at all from that? Or do we agree that it's still dynamic? And are that is it all just positive implications for what that means for customers? and Or are there negative things to that? Like, I always fear that people are not going to... Um, be, I always worry coming back when I used to do security full time, but is it people, you know, everyone wants there to be a magic bullet, just like I'm looking for a fat loss pill uh, because I'm not good at uh, any kind of working out. Um, And, but the, but the notion of, of security, we want a magic bullet that does it all for us. um, And I feel like sometimes these things start to sound like a magic bullet. And then they start to also, uh, even if they're not, which uh, there never are, uh, how do you remain conscious of what's going on and not, kind of, you don't want to push security off to the back burner and assume that it's okay. And is there a risk that, that you might start doing that when things are being done for you in the cloud? Jordan, I don't know.
2: So, yeah. So, so just like, just like having a firewall or having a security appliance doesn't give you security. Having SASE is not, Having security, like so, I mean, the, the idea of defining these okay, things—that's good distinction. Yeah, as, right. Like it, these are tools; these are tools in the toolbox. Uh, they're they're ways to to build networks. Your security comes from the policy that's implemented, uh and you might get some guidance from a sassy vendor who sees more than what you would see in your in your own environment. In which case, maybe going a direction like this is going to provide you some value above and beyond and allow you. Um, to more easily get to that secure architecture, but really at the end of the day, it's the policy and the enforcement of that policy is what makes you secure or not. And that policy isn't given to you by the SASE vendor and it isn't given to you by the firewall vendor. And so at the end of the day, you say, what is it? I mean, it's, it's a tool, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's something that we can use to, to, to give ourselves a place to apply security. Um, and, and, to your point or your question before about you know is it is it linear is it more performant or whatever at, at the end of the day they, my answer to that question is who cares uh, so when when we say you know how do we structure it today yeah we structure that the way today because we have to. Because right, we have right, a point right. to point solutions that exist in a data center. I think that, you know, this whole idea of cloud, the cloudification, if you will, of, of services. Now we're cloudifying security. I no longer should have to be concerned about whether it's a linear process or whether it is something that happens in parallel. At the end of the day, I'm concerned about what my outcome is. Am I able um. to have security infrastructure in place? And is it performant enough for me? to meet the needs of my business.
0: That's okay, well you threw in if it's performant yeah. enough, but I was gonna bring Schmidt back in on this one too, because I feel like
1: yep.
0: if, if I, I feel like there's some people that say I'm not gonna do SSL decryption because one, it brings up in especially in this architecture, it's gonna bring up maybe a strange uh, or using traditional security. Sorry, um, Pfeiffer, but the idea that that uh, SSL decryption is gonna have a negative effect on performance and so I've elected not to do it. Uh, so I still think performance is obviously always important, but I, I, you're not saying that you're not making the decision just on performance. You're saying it's an element. It's no. of course still needs to be there, but you also don't expect it to be that dramatically different. I don't know. No, uh, I,
2: no what, yeah. not, not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is we've concerned ourselves with with the architecture of the security only because we've had to. Right. As we move to FASI, we don't need to concern ourselves with the architecture as much ultimately what we say is what are our requirements what are the things that we need and does this service provide it in a way that meets those requirements performance is going to be one of those characteristics i can't send this traffic out and have it be 10 times slower than what my current security architecture provides it's not an acceptable outcome i need to define what that outcome is so long as they can be performant now to your point there is a high probability that unless you're like in the top you know five percent of networks out there Someone who's providing it in a cloud native infrastructure who has the ability to horizontally scale and has, has done the work to make that happen is going to be able to provide you additional features that you may not have been able to facilitate or would have been hard to facilitate on-prem because you just didn't have the resources to scale out that way. They can deal with your peaks a little bit better. I I mean, think about the last time you bought a firewall, you bought a security appliance, you have to size it for the largest amount of traffic that's coming through. You have to have enough hardware yeah. to facilitate the largest amount of traffic you're gonna deal with. And the reality, think about like a, a retail type setup, Black Friday and that around that that season, that's the busiest time. And we have to have the the infrastructure that's large enough for that time, but then for the rest All of the year. Here, yeah. It's all just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, that's what we're trying to get away from now. In a cloudified version, I might be able to say, hey, I can do SSL decrypt because I can pay for what I use. I can pay for it on a consumption model. And then sure, when it comes Black Friday as that retail environment, I'm going to pay a lot more because I'm consuming a lot more, but it's actually what I'm using rather than having to pay a lot more up front and just have it sit there and do nothing.
0: What about, is it, could any of you, maybe Schmidt, comment on what? Sassy from a security, you know, as as Jordan is saying, it's a security tool set. It's not security, uh, and I think that's a great distinction to make as well. But Schmidt, I'm curious if you could characterize what are the things that you should not expect out of SASE solution, um, because it I, sometimes I think it's good to make a distinction. You go, well, it's got a lot of tools as a part of it, and it could differ by vendor. But I imagine there's some, are there some, well, are there some broad brush. Things that we need to be aware of that we should not even expect, and want to make sure that we don't overlook because they maybe need to be addressed somewhere else.
1: Yeah, sure thing. And, and just to comment on what Jordan was saying, I, he's completely right. It's um, the the main driver that folks move into cloud and and consume it more heavily is you remove a lot of the complexity on what I would consider layer one through three, you know, IP down to the physical, um, which is you know, there's a lot of time spent there um, setting up data centers and cabling and, and traffic management um, where cloud really shines is not only is it very easy to to turn up services, but your focus can be strictly on the application, the policy, the things that actually drive the business versus, um, you know, worrying about what SFP might be busted in a, in a rack, you know, somewhere in some data center. Um, and with where, what SASE is really providing is that same functionality in that I completely agree. The elasticity of cloud is moved into the security realm where typically that was more in the network realm, and um, you know that's huge because, like you said, on on Black Friday holidays, you know, spiky traffic, the things that cloud are meant for anyway. Um, these solutions can scale, they're resilient, and they're performant without really much drawback. Um, typically, that you have to make a compromise, especially if you have hardware. Um, but in these kind of environments, you know, you really are just paying for consumption, and um, you know it it can meet the needs. Uh, that you, that you give to it. Um, So to answer your question around, you know, what this wouldn't do, I I think the best way to think about this is um, there's still the attachment of the flow, the actual flow of traffic and what we're really looking for in that traffic. Um, We're not using these solutions as like SIM tools, you know, log management. Um, Some solutions have like built-in Cloud posture managers, but that's kind of an add-on feature. It's not their their core competency. What we're really focused on is, especially from a security side of, of networking, it's things like remote access VPN, zero trust network access, which is a focus of we want to attach somebody to the application. We don't want to attach them to a subnet to, to access, right? So it's moving up the stack a bit in that we're tying identity policy um, to our users, to our workforce to the application that we want to access and, and nothing else. Um, and that starts to lead us deeper even into the zero trust story where we're trying to minimize the risk profile. We're trying to minimize the attack surface by controlling exactly who can talk to what. And, uh, and that's built through policy and the SASE services. Um, but I would say to, to kind of quantify what security is really built into these tools, you know, I'd say think about what our typical edge security stack looks like uh, you know, we might have DNS protection. We have a typical NGFW or an action firewall doing things like IPS and vulnerabilities, sandboxing. Um, and we add those, you know, maybe to step back, traditionally, those were separate point products, um, which worked, but ultimately was just complex. It was complex to manage, to operate. And had to be
0: sized appropriately, right? To, to. yeah
1: exactly. Okay. You always, there's always a bottleneck, you know, the, the, the lowest throughput device would bottleneck everything else Um, that evolved into what we consider the next gen firewall. So you have everything under one hood. And again, performance was still a problem. Um, Certain aspects of that might've been stronger than other, depending on the vendor. Um, When you go to this model, you know, if you really look under the hood of a SASE solution, each one of these functions is separately containerized. So each function could be scaled independently. Um, And that brings a lot of value too, right? You're not necessarily over-consuming the security, it's doing exactly what you want it to. Um, and um, the, the, the last point I'd say is just within cloud, uh, again, as we move deeper into like serverless type architectures containerized, these things move uh, very rapidly. The mobility is huge and um, traditional security tr- typically is very IP based. And this again is just another iteration where we're going further up the stack Um, further into the application identity and how we secure that flow versus this is found in subnet 10.10.1 and let's protect it this way. Um, So there's a lot of benefits in just evolving security in an organization.
0: Well, a lot of of what I'm seeing from a security perspective that I really like is a notion that you've got this granularity that you speak of now that gets down to the level of identify the endpoint. And there might be a security agent on that endpoint that can communicate with the cloud resources wherever they may be uh, because ideally here, I guess we're saying they're going to be in the most efficient place possible. Um, but there, it's about, you know, assigning the policy that Jordan spoke of that never goes away. We always beat that in your head from a security perspective. You go, policy needs to be applied effectively based on, you know, posture, based on the current status of an endpoint and the the risk profile of what they're accessing uh, or what they should access. And let me bring in, I want to bring in the SD-WAN thing here for a second. And Pfeiffer, I'm going to go to you first just with the SD-WAN background. But I... Reading through, you guys have some great articles on the platform, and we'll encourage everybody to go join the platform at www.com A couple different articles written. One of them was this notion of uh, understanding, and I want to get your take on this, that a WAN, when you think of the wide area network, when it's part of a SASE service, is not the same thing as what you get for a SD-WAN. Because I, uh, And the reason why I bring that up is, is it feels like when SD-WAN came out, people are jumping on the fact that, wait, you shouldn't do this without security. So then suddenly it was marketing a secure SD-WAN, but we're not saying SASE is a secure SD-WAN, but it feels very complimentary. And some of that WAN transport and stuff is also provided for, I don't know. What Are there some things to understand about how these things are handled and and, and what the differences are?
3: Yeah, so with the SD-WAN piece, um, what it did really well was automate and orchestrate everything. So um, I come from a background where you know I was in a production network. We had 6,200 branches in North America, 1,200 in Europe, and you know that's a very large operation to manage. Uh, when you're fielding configuration changes, that's going to take a very long time to do that. So SD-WAN brought to the table that we have this centralized platform where we can control all these endpoints, all these components, these 6,200 devices, and we're already doing advanced packet manipulation. We're doing deep packet inspection. Why not layer some security onto it? So that, that that's a reasonable assertion, mm-hmm. right? You have this uh, centralized choke point with great visibility, all your traffic's forwarding through it. Let's give it a shot. And what ends up happening is you actually do have some decent capability there. You've got maybe stateful firewalling. Um, You may have some vendors that are trying to get into the SSL decryption uh, component, but it's just not very robust. Like you would have to buy a very large box um, to field at those sites. And, you know, if you you go for the the six figure box at all those locations, you're going to bankrupt the company. Like it's just not realistic. Yeah. So. Um, as I started down this path, they, they considered it, um, but what SD-WAN is really good at is connecting to things. It's super good at connecting to things, whether it's other SD-WAN devices or non SD-WAN locations. If it needs to go to something that supports uh, standard-based IPsec or GRE, it can do it. So a lot of these solutions, cloud included, um, started having these capabilities to be able to connect to them uh, using GRE services, integrate with their API. You can automate bringing up the tunnel connection and then SD-WAN can intelligently steer that traffic. Um, you know, as I'm on this, uh, stream with you guys right now, I'm actually going through SD-WAN to one of these SASE solutions. Um, so I have my traffic intelligently identified, right? I was trying to figure out what was different about
0: you today. (laughs) And now, now I know that was it. Okay. You've been cleansed. Okay.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I I can, you know, through policy, just say, you know, this remote office, my home, uh, egress this traffic to the SD-WAN. And I got kind of curious, I looked in the lock, I wasn't even thinking about it. Um, yeah, I, I can see that that vendor's uh, certificate and the root path, like I'm being decrypted, all my policies getting applied. And I was able to do this um, very cleanly with the integrations that are available. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it was making just me simple. nervous because I'm like, I don't know
0: if Jordan goes through this on his show, but I'm like, what? We're, you're doing encryption on your connection to me i was i'd rather not know that i mean i i mean it's good and thank you but it just makes yeah, me wonder i'm if sure the, the i'm sure they're fine it. i just wondered about the performance <laughs> of the, the stream and yeah. but you've been coming through great I, so no issues yeah that i've seen yeah no that's interesting okay um well and here's the thing i think SD WAN to me is really not a cloud focused I, well, I would say it is cloud focused, but not cloud native. I mean, it can connect to the cloud, uh, but I feel like SASE is much more of a cloud native type of offering. And and the more kind of things continue to go that direction, because it feels like, you know, the um, it, 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 we're changing here with SASE in terms of where your security and your networking tools are residing and where and how that traffic inspection is done um, is, is what it feels like we're focusing on here. But... Um, I don't know, any other comments before we get into some vendor points about what people could look for? You guys work with a lot of different vendors, um, and it, we're, but I'm not going to put you on, the, on here to call out and do that. But obviously, people can connect with you directly and certainly connect through WWT.com to engage with you guys formally um, and get access to those incredible labs to see how things are performing and working with other solutions from different vendors, which I think is highly important. But what type of things would you guys say are important to understand? If I don't know a lot about things, I, as a customer, and I'm going in and I'm trying to evaluate what solution might be best for me as a customer, what type of things would I, what kind of high level things should I be looking for to make a decision?
2: Yeah, I've got some thoughts here. Okay. And so I think I I see the SASE market being much like the SD win market when it first emerged. Right, we're, first off, it, it's very similar in that we're taking multiple established technologies and architectures, we're bringing them together into a package um, that makes what used to be, you know, a somewhat complicated strategy into something that's now a bit easier to consume, at least, you know, relatively easier to consume. Um, and much like SD-WAN, there's multiple facets to SASE, uh, some of which will be universally applicable, like to all customers. And then there's mm-hmm. other facets, which will be kind of a choose your own adventure based off of the things that matter to you. And, and so I call this out um, because just like the SD-WAN market, not all SASE vendors are created equally. And and it's important to understand the pedigree of a company, like, so where they came from and where their core competencies lie. Um, And, and that's because we're seeing, um, we're seeing the same attraction to this market that SD-WAN had in that. Everyone wants to be a part of the conversation when it's the hot new technology trend. Everybody wants to say they do SASE and everyone comes at it from a different perspective and different core competencies. And so what you need to do as a customer is to evaluate what it is, the things, you know, what are the things that you need? I mean, something like, you know, firewall as a service is probably going to be pretty commonly needed across the board. And so that's going to be something that you're going to be looking at seriously, but there's other components to this that may or may not be as important. And you want to see where did the company that I'm evaluating or the companies that I'm evaluating, where did they come from and what are their core competencies? And, you know, how do we, uh, you know, some started as firewall vendors, uh, some are manufacturers or strapping multiple products they already had together. Some are straight new uh, startups. Right. And so when, <laughs> when you look at it, you have to say, uh, am I am I getting into someone who really understands how to do distributed firewalls incredibly well and has tacked on some of the other products? Am I looking at someone yeah. who's been holistically approaching security and now what they're doing is they're applying horizontal scalability and cloud access to their product? Um, and I think that those different strategies will line up with different organizations based off of what their priorities are. And I think it's one of the things. The other thing that you need to to really look at is adjacency. So as we talk about it, we've talked about the 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 need for performance as it relates to Um, to the data because uh, I think it was Michael who said earlier that we can't give up (laughs) performance as a first class citizen. It just is what it is now on the network. We can't reduce um, the user experience. And because of that, when we talk about a, a cloud based security tool, we're going to be sending this traffic somewhere off net and that off net needs to be relatively close to where my end user is. And so the distribution of the network that you're going to, how widely distributed are they? Do they have pops that are close to your physical locations? Ah, How much okay. latency are you adding to get to traffic from you to them? Because that's the first hop. Unlike where yeah. it was before, from you to your regional data center, now it's from you to that first hop of or, or pop in their network. And so you you kind of have to have an idea. You need to understand where they sit. You know, kind of geographically. Yeah. Um, do, do they sit adjacent to your locations? I mean, well, they, they, you can have a transacting are... service that's based in Europe. It's not going to do you yeah. much good, right? You need something that's going to have So that uh, definitely should be a stuff. question. Are vendors
0: transparent on that type of information about whether they're writing on AWS or an Equinox? Um, and uh, for this the type most of thing, part, yes. Part of, okay.
2: They may, they may not say exactly which, you know, <laughs> which uh, colo or cloud service they're using to host their stuff, but you could overlay the maps if you want to. They'll provide you a map where their pops are. Yeah. Um, and, and often they'll look very similar to the pops from Colo providers, <laughs> right? So yeah, you might, it, you might, well, you duck on your own. Yeah.
0: Makes no yeah, sense to build it all. Yeah. So pedigree Absolutely. and adjacency become important. Understand where they would be actually doing these things. Um, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Cause you have this tendency to go, it's the cloud. I, I don't need to worry about it. Right. It's just somewhere else. Uh, someone else's data center, as I say, um, Schmidt, I'm curious what else besides those two things, uh, or additional color you would add to those?
1: Yeah, no, those are great. Um, some other thoughts too is, you know, traditionally, these solutions are, are meant to be egress focused. So our clients getting to some endpoint, um, you know, these aren't at least today, these aren't really focused around ingress to your own applications, um, to replace a WAF. Um, these are really focused on your users, whether that's internally or your customers, um, how they route effectively to the endpoint that they need to. And, and with that, what can you control around that path? Um, So, you know, something to add to that is, again, requirements dictate a lot of things. Uh, A a big one we see in the security world a lot is multi-tenancy, you know, based on compliance and governance uh, industry, you know, how much do we need to truly separate the security policies, the administration, Um, and that gets further than just kind of role-based access to our you know, the dashboard that's controlling policy. You know, we have industries that we have to fully segment out traffic, which means from a sassy perspective, these are potentially writing in the same data centers, but like anything else, they're segmented logically um, just so that your decrypt policy isn't decrypting something that this tenant in the organization should be seeing. So, um, and, and different solutions have different methods on how they handle multi-tenancy, so that's huge. Um, but yeah, past that, I, I think I, we mostly covered um, what I would what I would say. It really does come down to uh, requirements. Um, what what workflow are you really trying to protect? And and, and we get back into the idea of uh, the shared responsibility model that comes up a lot around cloud. Um, you know, as we offload more and more to this SaaS provider in terms of maintaining things like the application code and keeping things up to date. Um, you know, if if a security vulnerability comes out that's very popular, like, is that SASE provider going to patch it in a time that we seem um, or is is quick enough for our business? Yeah. And um, as we've, you know, offload more and more to this these providers that I agree with Jordan today have different maturities from the security perspective. Um, I, I would parallel that. And as Michael and Jordan know, in the SD-WAN world, we had... Pure play SD WAN vendors that added security, and then we had security vendors that added SD WAN, and it yeah. and it came to this point. Um, the exact same things happening here. It, you know, the wheel keeps turning. So. Well, and they, um, they yeah, add they it agree. in different
0: ways too, right? They add it through acquisition. They add it through uh, partnering, um, and these are important things to understand. Just kind of peel, get back behind the PowerPoint, as I like to say, uh, you know, underneath the data sheet, and see exactly how these things are being implemented. Uh, so we're, we're right at the end as we come up here, and I want to make sure that um, we don't miss this because I feel like um, is it, it? Would you all agree? And you can just nod that Sassy is a very attractive. Uh, option for solving a lot of the security things that our customers are facing. Would you agree that it's something everyone should be looking at? Excellent. Hey, you guys follow directions well, too. Um, and uh, it, but one of the things that I love about worldwide technology is that you guys, uh, it started, for, my love started, of course, you guys have been around 30 years, but uh, it mine started in 2015-16 when I got to go visit your advanced technology center in St. Louis. Um, and I and, But since then, what I've learned is that, uh, this year, and it started before even COVID lockdown, is uh, you guys had, had doubled up on efforts to make the resources of the Advanced Technology Center available globally to anybody remotely. So the labs, the investments you guys have made in what we've been calling the platform, or I think it is actually called the platform at WWT.com, so that people can access and, and work with you guys, whether actively or even on their own, on demand, to, to really test drive some of these things, certainly to increase the learning and the exposure. Um, Pfeiffer, I just, because I hadn't called on you in just a moment and you, if you're not appropriate for this, feel free to hand it off, but can you comment on, uh, I think you guys offer a workshop, uh, as well as a couple of additional resources, a briefing on SASE and, uh, some other things like that, anything you would recommend and kind of what goes into those and why that would be valuable.
3: Yeah, and definitely we can get these into the show notes for folks. But um, we do have a SASE briefing and we also do have a workshop around that. Uh, One thing to keep in mind is SASE is really, you know, it's great. It's looking like it's going to be, you know, what security is going to look like going forward. But if you've already invested heavily in something and you're still interested in achieving secure outcomes, I mean, we can definitely help with that as well. So you Mm -hmm. can get into the spirit of SASE. You know, that is something that we can provide in that workshop. And then of course our platform capabilities, this is available to customers and partners if you register on our platform. Uh, We have all the SD-WAN stuff live on demand that you can consume that's powered by our advanced technology center. And we're also working on a SASE lab series. So you can start to get stick time with these emerging solutions, understand how they work and how they're gonna ultimately fit in your environment as you move towards this model.
0: Well, and one thing again that I like that you guys do is that it's not about a single vendor Um, there's certainly maybe going to be a subset that you guys work with or have had better experience with. But in general, the whole idea is that you're able to show how solutions work with other solutions, uh, regardless of the vendors that are involved, and that experience then translates into um, uh, very solid advice that can save a lot of money for customers who are trying to make decisions that potentially are going to have long-term impacts. Another one that I saw, and we'll put links here, I think they're already there, actually, if you're watching this video underneath, there's a multi-cloud interconnect discovery workshop uh, that I think has Mm -hmm. a nice play in here as well, Uh, but the point that I'm hearing you guys say is that this is worth investigating, uh, and that this might be a nice intermediary step for anyone that wants to understand their specific situation and how it relates. And the nice thing is if you're watching this, many of you, if you're watching it live, you're watching it on the platform. So I think that means you're already registered to be able to get access to these things. So don't hesitate, do what I did. I put SASE Sassy, in the search bar to see what came up. And that's where I came across great articles and was able to sound a lot smarter than I probably am. Uh, and it's where you can also interact with these guys and kind of follow your, uh, your favorite technologists, if you will. So Jordan, Mike and Mike, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to outline this, putting up with my dumb questions and uh, making Tech 37 valuable. Appreciate the work that you guys do. And again, Network Collective, if you guys aren't uh, already uh, subscribed to what they're doing there, I hope I don't get in trouble for this because I think it's a little something separate Jordan does, but he does a good job with the technology there and uh, his co-host and um, Tony and uh, and everyone else there. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for attending today. We will see you on the next one. Please stay tuned. Take care.